The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the National City Tribune, the unofficial Supergirl podcast, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series. PoppyChulo Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Monday, May 11th, 2020, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of the CW series, Supergirl. Please welcome my super co-hosts, Millie Wood. Hello, National City. And Professor X. Hello, National City. Let's jump into our recap of Season 5, Episode 18, which was titled The Missing Link and aired May 10th, 2020. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Lena discovers the consequences of Project Non Nocere. Supergirl and the team go head-to-head against Ramakan and Leviathan. Meanwhile, Lena and Lex must join forces when Project Nonnochere fails, leaving the two siblings in serious danger. Brum, brum, brum. Let's check in on the ratings for Season 5, Episode 18. Supergirl was viewed by 600k total viewers with a point one in the demo. It was steady in the demo with its penultimate episode of the season. Although it did dip to its uh, to a new audience low, so there is that. So I want to get everyone's initial reaction to the episode, uh, the penultimate episode of uh, this uh, coronavirus shortened season. Professor, I've got to start with you. Well, a bit of a mixed bag. I really like how it ended. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about, uh, you know, uh, the possibility of uh, of Lena's redemption. And uh, I thought it was interesting the way they played it. And, and I thought it felt very real. Um, there was a lot of stuff in the episode to like, a lot of stuff not to like. We'll get into that in more details. But overall, I thought it was an okay episode. Okay. We start off okay. Millie, what about you? I had to agree. There was a lot going on, and I think that they handled it pretty well, considering it's Supergirl. Um, I like that we got, I think every character in the cast, or every cast, got a little bit of the story. Um, you can definitely see the places are being put in for the finale. I was surprised they went the route they did with Lena, but I'm hopefully it's hopeful, and it's the beginning of something for her. Uh, overall, it was good, and I can see the puzzle pieces coming together. All right, so we go from okay to good, and I will co-sign with the good. I was really impressed by the episode. I thought all of the like the pieces certainly are uh, getting into place in regards to uh, what's going to happen, or what was going to happen in the final two episodes, which is now just the final one episode. So uh, I, I was 
pretty satisfied with this episode, and I'm even surprised to say that because of how, or I should say, what happened at the end of the episode, and I was very worried of where they were going to go with that, or how they were going to do that when it was going to eventually happen, and I was actually satisfied with it in a weird way. So uh, we've got a lot to discuss. So much uh, happened in this episode that is clearly setting up um, this uh, season finale next week. So uh, we're, we're going to talk about it. But before we do, before we get into a thorough recap of the latest episode of Supergirl, here's our announcer with a few special announcements. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions? Suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for the National City Tribune and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. You know what? We're just going to dive right into it because I really want to talk about it because this is something we've been going back and forth about forever. And uh, yeah. Okay. So the Luthers. So the episode starts off with, um, remember the Sun Eater? So when the sun went out or when the sun got uh, uh, was getting um, obstructed by the Sun Eater. Uh, the technology uh, in with Nanochere, uh, not the technology, but like Nanochere malfunctioned, and, and it created a domino effect with the prisoners that uh, Lena had uh, tested the Nanochere on. So it was like a domino effect when one spheres um, erupted, you know that pushed on to the next, the next, the next, the next. Uh, lo and behold, it turned into a prison riot. The Luthers arrive. We've got Steve. Remember our friend Steve? He's there as well. And uh, Lena tries to fix the whole situation with the Q-waves and everything. But uh, she realizes, after all of this hard work, that humans need pain. Because you need to be able to adapt to situations and to evolve and to get stronger and all that kind of stuff. And so she ends up breaking the technology that she's used for non no cherry. And Lex is basically like, you know what? You are right. Uh, you know, we can't use non no cherry to uh, control the people. You need a firm hand. You need a leader you know, that's going to save them all. And Lena deduces, oh, you mean a Luthor? And she's like, and, and he's like, yes. And she's like, oh, you mean you? And he's like, yes. And so once she sort of puts two and two together where she's like, okay, so you were supporting me, but you knew I was going to fail. And it's because you wanted me to come back crawling back to you. And he's like, yes. And she's like, oh, hell no. And then that, sets Lex off where he uh, he all of his uh, megalomania erupts and he's like yes I'm going to be the one to save and I was there and how dare you question and this that or the other and at the end of it all Lena's basically like um I'm not going to be a monster with you 
and she she sort of in essence cuts ties with Lex. There was a lot more that happened. There were a lot more words that were exchanged. Uh, um, so Millie, we're going to talk about what Lena does after this in a moment. What did you think of uh, how the writers wrote this the fracture among the Luthers? Did you like it? Um, do you feel like this was all in essence Lex's fault? Uh, because had he not reacted the way he did, had he controlled some of his inner urges, had he calmly sort of explained things to Lena, he could have brought her over to his side or, or he could have, you know, continued to sort of string her along on his side. But because he exploded um, as um, as insane as he did uh, do you feel like that was uh, sort of like the thing that pushed lena away what did you think of uh, everything luther up to the point to where uh, lena was basically like i'm not gonna be a monster with you i thought it was a great interaction and john cryer did like crazy off the rails so well um i was wondering because he's so calculated and you know twenty thousand steps ahead if in some way he wants Lena to go back to the, you know, quote unquote good side. Um, I don't know. I feel like the way that he has pawned everyone, I could also see that, but I also know that he has a spot, soft spot for Lena. So probably it was just him losing control. I think that they, I think the writers did a good way of, of showing Lena kind of what the truth is. Cause she does have a, a blind side to her family. Um, because despite her knowing that they're bad, she still, as we can see, kind of goes into their size and is somewhat easily convinced by their ways and words and things like that. So it's nice for her to, to get this flip side. I hope it stays and she's able to see, you know, how they really are. Um, it will be interesting to see if that is like permanently fractured between them. Um, I feel like based on what she does afterwards, it is and that like they're kind of cutting ties um, between the two and now they're going to kind of just be enemies from here on out. I did love the little bit of disappointment that Katie McGrath put in her voice when she was like, you don't change. Like, I, I think she was taken aback almost because, uh, I mean, one would think that if you're on a new world, you're on this Earth Prime and you have the chance to change, to do things a little bit differently, that you would take advantage of that. And so her, the little bit of disappointment that she has, or maybe even confirmation of like, oh, you don't change, do you? I, I really enjoyed that. Professor, I want to get your take on um, Lex and Lena's conversation, but I've got to bring you in as well to discuss Lena and uh, Kara. So at the end of the episode, after everything that's happened between her and Lex, there's a knock on the door, and... Um, Kara doesn't say anything. Lena just, you know, pours her heart out and basically tells Kara that that she was a fool, in essence. You know, she she was angry, she felt hurt, and uh, she was an idiot to think that uh, Nan Nocheri could, um, could um, you know, be the answer to it. She overreacted. She, uh, you know, let her emotions get the best of her. Um, and she, she knows that she crossed the line. She was the villain. 
and she's she's saying all this with tears in her eyes, all the emotion in her voice, and she's in essence, you know, asking her friend for forgiveness for her um, blind stupidity. I, I sort of added that in myself, and uh, and Car doesn't say anything it, it, throughout this whole thing. She sort of just soaks it all in, and. Um, and, and in essence, by the end of it, by you know, it seems as if Kara is willing to give her a second chance. What did you think of of that? I do want I, I want to hear your take first on uh, Lena and Lex before you get into the Kara stuff. Well, the Lena and Lex stuff was really good. My only problem with it, uh, and, and I love the fact that uh, you know John Cryer going full on uh, Lex the megalomaniac. Uh, you know, full out screaming uh, was good. Just as a reminder of who Lex really is. Uh, John Cryer's done a great job of playing Lex uh, ever since crisis uh, in such an ambiguous way that we don't really know how evil he truly is. Uh, You know, we got some hints of it last episode, but this was the first episode where we've really seen, you know, him drop the mask and go back to the same Lex who we saw in the flashback where he turned the sun red and was willing to kill as many people as possible and, you know, wiped out everyone in the courtroom and everything like that. Um, So I thought that was, you know, nicely done just to, you know, reestablish the threat level of Lex because, you know, they've sort of been, you know, he's been manipulating, he's been working behind the scenes. Uh, This was a good reminder of just how deadly and dangerous a foe Lex is. My only problem with that is that it does somewhat diminish Lena's, face turn in that if Lena had realized it on her own, uh, if Lena had, uh, you know, realized, oh my God, I've been trying to manipulate people. That's wrong. Um, that would have been a, a much more satisfying redemption turn to have her make the turn because she realizes, oh wait, my brother's an asshole. Um, I think it somewhat diminishes her realization. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it is the, uh, the key to her, her making that, uh, you know, realization. So that's fine. But, I think, you know, Lena is smart enough she could have figured it out on her own. It was obviously more dramatic uh, to have it come, you know, at the hands of Lex. I agree with Millie. It almost felt like because Lex is such a manipulator, to have him blow up like that, it almost felt like the sort of thing that, you know, you would cut away to him with a self-satisfied smirk that, aha, that forces her back to Supergirl, just like I was planning. I don't think that's the case in this particular uh, example because, you know, the whole thing about the Lex and Lena relationship is that, you know, ever since crisis, we've realized that Lena is a bit of a, uh, a blind spot for him. You know, he made the deal with the, uh, the, uh, the monitor to, uh, to preserve Lena. He's worked with her. And, and as he said to her, he did not do anything to thwart her research. You know, he has helped her and supported her in every way because he knew it would fail. Um, but again, that just feels like, you know, her lashing out angrily. It feels like uh, Lena is acting more out of anger uh, than regret. Uh, that what she did was wrong. I think, you know, they do have, you know, by the uh, the closing scene with Kara, I think she has come around to the realization that, no, everything I did was wrong. It's not that I was manipulated. It's that I was doing the wrong thing, which I think is, you know, an essential character arc for her if she's to have any sort of redemption. Uh, and I just love that final scene with Kara. It was, it was played perfectly because, you know, if we think back to the beginning of the season, which I know seems a lifetime ago, we were talking about Kara was basically making herself a doormat for Lena. And Lena was just being a total bitch about it. And uh, so my fear was that, you know, uh, Lena would walk in 
Uh, and Kara would just go, oh, that's okay, sweetie, sit down, let's have some tea and wine and, uh, and pot stickers. Uh, but no, it, it was played really, really well, like right from the opening of the door, Kara seeing it's Lena and no sense of, oh my God, it's my friend Lena. It's like, oh, what do you want? Uh, didn't invite her in, just left the door open. Lena had to walk in and close the door on her own. And Kara remained silent for the entire thing. And, and from an acting point of view, that was great because, you know, it, it meant that Katie McGrath was the only one, you know, being big in the scene. Uh, Cara remained very small. She was the wounded party. She was the injured party. She was the party that someone else had to apologize to. And for most of the season, we've seen Cara apologizing and apologizing and apologizing to the point where, you know, I think was making us all annoyed. So to have Cara basically, no, you're the one who wronged me. You are going to apologize. And then that final scene, just pulling the chair out and saying, okay, let's talk without saying a word. Uh, I thought that was very, very strongly done. And, you know, um, made Lena's, you know, redemption turn seem much more possible than I would have thought even an episode or two ago. I'm surprised how quickly I'm able to, you know, if not forgive her. And again, it's not full forgiveness. I think if Kara had just gone and, and hugged her and said, oh, that's okay, you didn't know what you were doing, um, we wouldn't have accepted it as strongly. But because Kara is somewhat grudgingly, uh, you know, giving her the chance to explain herself and take her back in, I think that the other characters will do as well. Uh, and we, the audience, will as well, but it's going to take time. And I think they did a really, really nice job uh, of playing that scene uh, by having Kara basically just pull out the chair and, you know, indicate, okay, this is not over. You can explain yourself and I will listen. And I thought that was a, a very strong choice and really helped to redeem not only Lena, because Lena got her redemption by the tearful, um, uh, you know, outpouring of emotion, but, you know, Kara basically, you know, not being the doormat that she was earlier in the season. I think that was really, really good and and a very strong acting choice uh, by both of them. I agree with all of that, and, and I'm genuinely surprised at how much I approved of this as well, because, yeah, I was, uh, I was very concerned about how they were going to fix this, but for some reason it just did work in this episode and it probably was the acting choices i mean it probably was um the writing the way that lena just uh you know bared her soul in essence to uh to Kara. but it worked and i'm glad it did now i do feel like they need to continue to work on the friendship. Like it, we can't go back to sharing, you know, gigantic donuts with each other and that sort of thing, uh, overnight. But, um, I am much more positive about this than I thought I was going to be. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we are here. Uh, professor, I, I did have that question. And so I'm going to ask it to you as well before I get uh, Millie's take on, uh, the conversation at the end. Uh, do you think had Lex restrained himself a bit, had Lex not gone all batshit crazy, uh, do you think, you know, after everything, even after Lena was like, oh, you wanted me to fail in this, that sort of thing, had he calmly, you know, explained himself and said, well, yes, I did, but it's because I wanted you to see it my way, but you needed to experience it and this, that, or the other, do you think he could have... Um, still had Lena by his side. Do you think he sabotaged himself and uh, in a way that he didn't even expect? And that's going to be his ultimate undoing at the end of the season? 
Um, I don't know whether it'll be his ultimate undoing, but I think it'll be part of it. And yes, I think he did, uh, you know, he, he's been playing a role ever since crisis of, you know, the good guy, the supportive brother. You know, he let the mask slip in that moment. If he hadn't done that, yeah, and, and as I said, I think that's, that's one flaw with it, I would say, in terms of Lena's development, which is that Lena should have made that realization on her own. Um, you know, she should have realized that what she was doing was wrong. It shouldn't have taken her brother going full on, you know, supervillain megalomania in order for her to make that realization. Um, but having said that, that, that's, you know, a comparatively minor point. Um, I, I overall, you know, uh, we reached the point where we need to reach, and it allowed John Cryer the moment of reminding us who Lex really is. And again, we haven't really seen that since the beginning of the season, um, if not even further back. Uh, I might even be thinking of the beginning of the previous season. But so, you know, it it worked, you know, and it got us where we needed to be. I just feel it would have been stronger for Lena's character development and for us to accept her as a good guy if she'd made that realization on her own. I don't disagree with you on that. That is the truth. Millie, your take on the Kara and uh, Lena scene at the end of the episode. I'm with uh, both of y'all. It was so well done. I was very concerned when I saw that that's where it's going. I'm like, oh, no, how is this going to play out? Because we're, we're all like, you know, Carter can't forgive her easily, and Lena really needs to do a lot of groveling um, to get back in the good graces. And I love when when she knocks on the door. It's, you know, complete silence. There's no background music. It is just kind of adds to the tension. I think that was a really smart choice. Um, for the director there. And I think for me, I, even throughout the whole speech, I was still kind of going back and forth. Oh, do I want Cara to accept Lena? I mean, is this apology going to be enough? Is this the beginning of the road? But I think what ticked it for me is when Lena said, you know, I was the villain. And I understand that now. Because I think one of the larger arguments I had in the previous episodes were her yelling at Cara saying, oh, you just see me as another villain, as another Luther. And I think for her to turn that and realize that it was her, she was the villain, and she uh, has now acknowledged that. I think that was really huge on that. And also just Lena apologizing in general, I think, is, is a big thing as well. Um, and I love the, you know, Kara just pulling the chair out, because I feel like it's very much like a kid got caught by their parent, and now they have to explain themselves. Um, and I think that is exactly what, what's happening. And also the, like, Maybe not necessarily, I'm going to, let's, you know, mend our relationship, but let's figure out how we can first defeat Leviathan and Lex, and maybe down the road the friendship will be done. But it was well done, and great to see, like, Katie McGrath getting a chance to do the emotional bits, and we kind of get to see a little bit of, like, normal, non-crazy, off-the-rails lean. Definitely. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Before we move on and start talking about something else, since I did mention all the prison stuff, was there anything in the prison that stood out to either of you that, that either of you want to mention? Uh, Lex taunting the prisoners with teleportation, or Lex actually getting physical? Uh, was there anything that stood out? Well, that kind of surprised me, given that you know, given the uh, the Lex reveal that we got. I thought it was really weird that they had him, you know, rushing back to save Steve. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, he wasn't doing it to, to save Lena or anything like that. He rushed in there first and, you know, was literally the guy who saved Steve, which I thought was odd. And it left me wondering for a minute, well, maybe Lex isn't as bad a guy as I thought. And, you know, it, it did seem a bit out of character. Um, him using the teleportation to, uh, to taunt the prisoners felt much more like the Lex that we've come to know and love or hate. Uh, but yeah, that, that did seem a bit out of character to me. Okay. 
I will explain that away by saying it was still part of his ruse on uh, Lena, you know, to just uh, continue on pretending to be the supportive person. It was a little odd to see him get physical, like the the, the fact that he actually, you know, did a couple punches and that sort of thing. Uh, that did seem a little odd for me. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, I should reference the prison went kaboom. So, bye Steve, I guess. I mean, uh, I don't know if either of you thought about yeah, that. Yeah, and that was a great closing just to put the seal on. In case you were wondering about Lex, that was the uh, the reminder that, oh yeah, total evil. Totally. Yeah, 100%. All right, so moving on to a different storyline. This was a small storyline, but I thoroughly enjoyed it just because I was really happy that this little plot thread from, it seems like, eons ago was revisited. So... At the end of the previous podcast, I was like, well, I guess that's all we're getting from Magan. Uh, and, you know, it was nice that we got the chance to see her again. But wait, there was more. We got a whole lot more Magan in this episode. She was front and center, you know, with the action that was going on as they were fighting Ramakan and this, that, or the other. At the start of her storyline in this episode, you know, we saw some tenderness between her and John and then at the end of her storyline in this episode with John uh there was a kiss uh I feel like there might have been a kiss earlier but dreamers uh, snoring kind of um took them out of it but uh yeah so there there seems to be a bit of a rekindling type of situation between John and uh, Megan and I also enjoyed their very grown-up conversation of, well, you know, the last time I saw you, you were this, but you've grown into this. And, and you know, they both, uh, in essence, um, you know, said that about each other, which was really nice. Uh, Millie, what were your thoughts on uh, our little uh, Martian uh, uh, love connection, shall we say, or rekindling situation that we saw in this episode uh, I don't know if I know this about you. Were you a fan of... I know that we talked a little bit about, about Megan, period, in the previous podcast, about if, if you enjoyed her or not, but were you at all a fan of the possibility of John and Megan together? I'm all for John having a love interest, and if it's Megan, I'm there for it. If it's somebody else, I'm there for it. I just I enjoy that he gets something outside of, you know when he was in the DEO or when just like Alex and Cara. So I like how he gets his own little love interest. So I was here for it. I enjoyed it. I was excited. Um, I thought it was good. I wasn't expecting it. So I thought that it was a nice little surprise to have. Same here. Yeah. Professor, what about you? Were you surprised that uh, they sort of brought that spark back between our Martians? Well, I'm glad they did it because, you know, they had a spark, but it went away. My first fear when they reintroduced Magan was that it was going to be, yes, I've been spending so much time with your brother, and we're married now. Oh, um, but now my fear is that because this is a CW show, because they allowed them the moment of reconnection, because they allowed them the moment of kissing, does that mean that Megan's going to die? Or would oh. have died uh, if, the, uh, if the season had continued? Oh my gosh, how dare you kill off Megan? She's just retired. I'm just saying it's exactly the sort of thing they would do. Uh, I hate when you speak logic about the CW, but let's hope that doesn't happen because I am enjoying McGon. But because realistically, um, why else reintroduce her? 
She wasn't really necessary to the plot. She's just sort of there. They've reestablished the relationship. They've, uh, you know, established the uh, the love uh, that John has for her. That, yeah, CW shows that's, uh, that does not uh, bode well. Uh, you evil genius, you. Well, I will think positive thoughts. I do want Magan alive and well. Uh, she can go back up to Mars and continue on with the peace and all that kind of stuff. Um, I will say the little bits of... Um, exposition that we got about what was going on with Mars and uh, the fact that Malefic uh, in essence sort of fixed things and brought peace and all that kind of stuff was really nice especially you know after everything that we went through with Malefic and how he started off as a villain and then uh, in in you know made peace with John and that sort of thing the fact that um, we might not have gotten Malefic in this episode but we did get an update on what was going on in Mars or what was going on yeah it, that was really nice I, I really enjoyed that okay so uh, moving into uh, let's talk about Dreamer so we got a um, a bit more of Dreamer using her powers in this episode, and I know the professor enjoys um, chatting about Dreamer's powers and how they are used in a particular episode. So I'm going to ask you, Professor, what did you think of how they used Dreamer's powers in this episode? And uh, do you feel like Dreamer is um, becoming a bit more adept at uh, deciphering uh, the uh, messages in her dreams. Uh, well, yes, I, I do think she's becoming more adept at, uh, at deciphering, uh, you know, what she's seeing. And I also liked that, you know, that, uh, you know, because, you know, we haven't really seen Dreamer using her dreaming powers, uh, what, since last season or maybe once earlier this season. Everything else has just been, you know, her, you know, disrupting tsunamis and using the uh, the telephone cord of, uh, of justice um, to <laughs> zap people and whip people. Um, uh, Millie, a telephone cord is something we used to use to connect to telephones back when we had these things called landline. Oh, it's not worth it. Um, so I did like the fact that, you know, they, they were showing her, you know, using her powers in that way. Um, you know, then, you know, during the fight scene, she, you know, had to, of course, manifest the... Uh, you know, the, the more dramatic uh, visual effects style, uh, you know, dreamer power. Uh, but no, I did like that. And, and, and you know, as you say, I, I thought it was good that, you know, she's, she's no longer at the mercy of her visions in the way that she once was. She can go into the vision and, you know, find out information more specifically. It's still vague as, you know, uh, uh, you know a precog uh, should always be, you know, for storytelling purposes. But, you know, she does certainly have more control over the process, which I liked. So overall, I, I liked how they used dreamer uh, in this episode. And I don't know if it was just me, but it looked to me at the beginning of the episode like, I don't know, they changed Nia's look somehow. Um, uh, I don't know what it was. Her hair might have been different or something like that, or maybe we just haven't seen Nia in a while. Uh, but it, it seemed like a very different look for her. Well, since we're talking about Nia, we have to talk about Brainy. So we talked about a nice ship, or at least, you know, uh, something nice happening to a ship with uh, our favorite Martians. Well, it looked like this ship sunk in this episode. Uh, yeah. So, Millie, I want to get your take on Brainy and Nia. So, uh, throughout everything that was going on in the episode, um, well, in the dream, Nia saw Brainy, like, cackling, and it looked like he was, uh, playing games with Ramakan. 
And that's how she interpreted it. And so when Ramakan was captured and he started speaking, he being brainy, started speaking in a different language as if to hide uh, what he was saying uh, to uh, um, Nia and uh, Supergirl, that made uh, Nia a bit suspicious. And then later on, after, well, the D.E.O. goes kaboom, which we will talk about separately, um... Nia basically is like, I can't trust you. If you're not going to tell me what you're doing with Ramakan, with Lex and Leviathan, I just can't trust you because I, I just can't trust who you've become. And he uh, basically says he can't explain himself. And so she's like, well, you know, I'm tired of wondering if you're an ally or not. I just can't trust you. And, and that's how it's going to be. What did you think of uh, Brainy and Nia in this episode, Millie? I thought it was interesting because I felt like we had established that we couldn't trust Brainy a while ago. So to have that come back, I was like, okay, it just kind of rehashes, I thought, the same concepts and ideas. Um, but I, I'm glad that, that hopefully they're kind of closing the door on that. Cause I feel like there's this back and forth between Brainy and Nia, and that's really all the relationship has been. Um, and I thought what was interesting, though, is kind of bringing insight into Brainy because I think that there's a lot more to him that we don't. Uh, know yet and I think that I think that he might be playing Lex in a way and I think that's why he's been super reserved as well Um, and because I think that something happened last episode where he seemed to gain a lot more information that's an interesting way to interpret that see I don't feel like he's playing Lex but I do feel like at least after this episode he's starting to become really suspicious and um, I feel like he he feels like he's been played and i think that's going to uh um come into effect in the next episode at least that's how i'm interpreting his reaction to stuff in this episode professor i want to get your take on brainy and nia but i also want to get your take on brainy and lex as well because in this episode as i'm sort of alluding to um brainy initially it seems as if, as if he has Lex figured out because he figured out about the Sun Eater and that he had done it for a particular reason. But at the end of the episode, um, you know, he feels like he's failed in essence because the Dio, uh, you know, is gone. And um, he, he sort of tells Lex, like, you know, I know I did what you told me not to do, but I did it anyway. And, and all of this happened and it's all my fault. And Lex laughs and is basically like, oh, that's fine. Like, I knew you were going to do it. And, you know, and so he's like, oh, so you wanted Ramakan at the DEO. You wanted this. You wanted that. You wanted the other. And it's fascinating because at the start of the episode, he's like, I'm a 12th level intellect. You think I couldn't figure out your plan? And then at the end of the episode, he didn't figure out the plan. So he was kind of duped. So with this episode being so heavy in regards to Nia saying to Brainy that she can't trust him. Do you feel like the fact that Brainy got duped, this will be sort of like the thing that pushes him over the edge to, uh, in essence, no longer trust Lex, or no longer trust in, in what Lex is doing and how he's doing it, and so this could reunite Brainy with our supers? Well, I think we've had you know hints earlier in the season uh, that Brainy no longer trusts Lex, and I think the the point that Lex made in this episode is you know you don't have to trust me, just trust the plan. Uh, but I think 
uh, Brainy no longer trusts the plan. I think, you know, his scene with Ramakan, he was clearly trying to go behind Lex's back and uh, and do things on his own so he wouldn't have to work with Lex in order to achieve his goal of, uh, of defeating Leviathan. Uh, so, yeah, I think it, it does put, you know, Brainy in an interesting situation in that, you know, he really, you know, it, it seems that, you know, he can't go back to the Supers. You know, that bridge seems to be burned. I mean, obviously, the Supers will take him back if he simply apologizes and explains. Um, but again, in terms of that's something that I could see happening over the course of three episodes. I can't see it happening over the one episode we've got left. So my guess is at the end of the season, Brainy will still be, you know, uh, divorced from uh, the Supers. And, uh, you know, I think Lex now realizes that, you know, he, he can manipulate uh, Brainy, but he can't trust him uh now that said i don't think brain that lex has trusted brainy for a very long time uh, i think he's known that you know uh brainy has his suspicions and has been manipulating him you know uh you know using that as, as basically a tool in order to manipulate him so in terms of you know the uh, i agree with uh with millie when she was saying that you know uh the the whole thing with uh with uh, nia and uh, or with uh, dreamer and brainy felt a little you know <sighs> Why was it necessary? Because they've already technically broken up. Um, you know, now it's just that, you know, you're sort of hearing from the other side, okay, you broke up with me, well, now I'm breaking up with you. Um, and, uh, you know, so, you know, obviously there'll be some, you know, chance for, I'm sure, for character development of, of Brainy trying to deal with that. Because obviously, you know, he, he was probably hoping that, you know, in his heart of hearts that, you know, he would get through the situation with Lex, they would defeat Leviathan, and then he'd say, then this is why I had to do that, and now you'll take me back. But it seemed in this episode that she was saying, nope, you're done. And uh, that's that's going to lead to some tensions for him, I would guess. Uh, hopefully next episode. I'm hoping that's not something we have to wait until next season for. Yes, one would hope. But, uh... At this point, the only person that knows is the editor of the episode. We're going to have to wait and see. So let's talk a little bit about um, Kelly. And yes, we have to talk about him. Let's talk about William. So with their storyline, what we got was A, Eve Tessmacher. So, uh, you know, uh, our characters put two and two together. The fact that uh, Margot Morrison is her last name, we learned in this episode, um, that she was working with Eve. They learned that um, the video that she made, her sort of uh, manifesto, was created using a uh, facial inhibitor and... um, we also were reminded that Kelly remembers life pre-crisis, so she's able to recognize Eve. And when they go to Andrea uh, with that information, I mean, Andrea does, to be quite honest, the, the thing that she should do as a sane rational human being you know you have these people coming at her you know with this conspiracy and she's like well this woman seems to be a model citizen uh you're saying that she's doing all this nefarious stuff but i don't see this in her personnel record and she was recommended by my mentor and good friend Gemma cooper uh you know you guys have to sort of like um you know get into you know sh- get into shape or ship out or whatever, you know, like the the door is right there. If you are not uh, here supporting this major event for the company. Um, And uh, uh, William at the end of the episode ends up following a lead, uh, you know, tailing uh, 
but but then you know he ends up getting a bag over his head uh oh no is william gonna die will you miss him millie nope oh okay well let's get your take on though uh kelly eve and uh, william in this episode i guess from a rational standpoint now that you say it Andrea's reaction makes sense, but at the same time, I'm like, if you think something's fishy going on, you might want to check it out with your company, especially, like, the whole issue you had prior, um, but maybe that's just because I have, you know, more knowledge than Andrea does, but it just seems a little strange as a CEO. Uh, I thought it was a... It's weird them keep getting these weird tangents with Kelly and Williams, kind of like they need to do something, so here's what they are, but they do help push the plot forward. I wouldn't say it's the most exciting part, Um, but I think that it is interesting to see how ingrained, uh, you know, Eve and Gemma's been in, and I'm also kind of curious, again, like, how much does Andrea know? And if, again, if she's just acting as a very stubborn... CEO and just wanting to see success in her business, or is she also still playing into the hands of Leviathan and everything like that? Um, also, William going on a lead, I feel like he got lucky the first time with that empty warehouse, um, and that was all controlled and manipulated, but he should really bring backup, I feel like. I don't know. Maybe the professor has more insight, but I feel like if you go and, and chase something that seems sketchy, you should bring somebody or at least tell somebody where you're going. Yes, because the professor is typically researching sketchy situations, right, Professor? Oh, hell yeah. I think one of the problems with uh, this plot line is the inconsistency of how they've been dealing with Andrea since Crisis. You know, one week she's concerned, uh, one week she's just the uh, the capitalist who only cares about the launch date. And it seems that, you know, th- they just make her whatever they need her to be for that week's episode. There's no consistency to it. Uh, you know, she discovered her Akrata powers a couple of episodes ago, and that's just, you know, disappeared on the wind. Um, so uh, I'm not sure what they're dealing with her. Um, I do think it's kind of interesting. You know, I like the fact that, you know, uh, the, the ID belonged to Eve, uh, that we see Eve walking along. Because remember, in this reality, Eve, you know, is a badass killer uh she's just been dumped and uh, and had her world spoiled by lex so who knows whose side she's on um you know i think it's entirely possible that you know um you know uh next episode uh william will have the bag taken off his head it'll be even like who are you working for what are you doing uh, and he'll tell her what they're doing they're trying to bring down lex and she'll go ah i can help you so i think it's entirely possible eve might end up helping them um but uh, i don't know it, it's just kind of interesting how that you know eve is is kind of you know out there as a free agent right now I don't disagree with you. It would be quite the surprise, but it would also fit with where the storyline is uh, during this half of the season, that uh, Eve gets a chance to become the hero, in essence. And also it would play into the idea that, you know, it's Lex overplaying his hand that gets him in trouble. It was him, you know, uh, you know basically mocking Eve. Uh, you know, last episode that turned her against him, even though she, you know, he technically, you know, you know, has her mother under surveillance. But that's why going through the press, you know, if she can keep what she's doing a secret, um, it might give her a, a route for revenge. Uh, and in this episode, of course, him, you know, uh, exploding and, and dropping the mask and showing uh, Lena his true self uh, was what pushed Lena back into the arms uh, of the super. So it's it, it could be, you know, an, an interesting little element there that it's uh, uh, that while Lex is undeniably brilliant, it's, you know, his own flaws. Uh, you know, his arrogance that uh, that causes him to trip up. Mm-hmm. It's very true. You know, what's funny about the whole Kelly and William situation is that uh, if she was 
a heterosexual woman. Like, I could see them, like, this whole storyline is, like, the perfect storyline to pair them up together romantically. And and I can see a little chemistry with them. They work really well together. So, uh, clearly, they're not going in that direction. But, uh, like, if, you know, the situation was different, I could so see the writers, uh, you know, sort of, like, planting that seed, that that's what they were going to do with these characters. And I almost feel like that works a little bit better than whatever it is that they were going to do or that they were trying to do between him and Kara, you know? It, it just, like, the Kara thing just doesn't work for me. Yeah, but they're still obviously setting that up, like the scene where she had to... Uh to get away from uh, William by, you know, uh, claiming that, you know, her sister's cat had escaped, but, you know, the, the cat doesn't like tall guys. You know, there's no reason to throw in the tall thing unless, you know, she's uh, noticing, oh, well, you're a very tall fellow um, with accents, you know, and I think they're just, you know, that's still in there to remind us that, yeah, Cara does have a thing for William. So, but I, I do agree that, you know, I think uh, Kelly and William do have a, a chemistry that, you know, on any other show uh, would lead us to think that, you know, these two are pairing up. Oh, Totally. Yeah, 100%. Let's talk about uh, Alex in this episode. So she's kind of like on her own little island in this episode. Uh, Remember Pete? We see Pete again. And uh, this time, the real deal. And he's going to help Alex in regards to Leviathan. And so uh, when he starts, you know, looking through the congressional records and that kind of stuff uh, about Leviathan, he uh, gets thwarted. You know, when people hear the name Leviathan, people are like, no, 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 you can't look into that. And so he ends up taking Alex into... uh, you know, this top secret area where he's going to let her in and they're going to research really quick, but they are unable to do that because a mysterious person brandishing a gun starts shooting at them. Um, I will say that they are a horrible shot, but they start shooting at them and they drive away. And uh, when he talks to his wife, she's like, oh, we're under surveillance. And so he's like, I'm going to go and under deep cover under the grid or off the grid, I should say. And he's like, you should um, think about that as well. And Alex seems a little hesitant, but it seems that uh, Alex was paired up with him because uh, he basically tells her like, Hey, you need to realize you're no longer in the military. It took me a long time to sort of shake that off. Um, But uh, you need to realize that uh, you are no longer in the military and you are a civilian and this, that, or the other. And later on, um, she has a similar conversation with Kelly about it. And uh, they sort of talk about the fact that, in essence, she's now a vigilante and that maybe she shouldn't have her face out there when it comes to getting into these dangerous situations. Uh, Professor, what did you think of Alex's storyline, and what do you think it means for Alex moving forward? Well, I think it's it was pretty clear by the end of it that they're setting up uh, Alex to become a mass vigilante in the uh, the Guardian mode, um, uh, which I, I did not see that coming. Um, it's interesting, um, and uh, you know, it, it does sort of you know play off the uh, you know something we've talked about with Alex. You know, ever since she you know she left the DEO, which is that Alex has always been someone who was part of a system, who was working within the system, and now she's not. And I think they they made that point you know rather clear uh, by having uh, you know Sean Astin's character you know, basically say that to her and then having Kelly suggest that, you know, maybe, you know, go the full mass vigilante route. 
Um, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, you know, uh, certainly the idea of, uh, of Kyler Lee in a super suit, I, I like. Um, it, it, it's it's interesting, yeah. And again, I, I wonder whether this is one of those things that, you know, maybe will have to be a plot thread that they leave hanging uh, because we only have one episode left rather than, you know, the, uh, the three that we would have had. Um, but yeah, it does seem that they're sort of setting her up to be a, uh, a street level vigilante. Um, uh, and how, what form that will take, I don't know. Perhaps that could be a way of, of Brainy to re-ingratiate himself, uh, you know, with the team by coming up with some tech for her, uh, or something along those lines. But yeah, I, I really didn't see that coming, you know, even, you know, the last episode or, or the Alex in Wonderland episode, which was so Alex-centered. Uh, I didn't see the possibility for going the, the mass vigilante route, but... I'm I'm in favor of it. You know, anything that gives us, uh, you know, more Alex, uh, I'm in favor of. Do you have a theory as to who the person was that was shooting at them? Because initially when I was watching the episode, I was like, oh, that's Eve. But then you reminded me when you were talking about Eve that uh, at least she's on the outs with Lex, but maybe she's still being forced to work for Leviathan. So maybe it was Eve. What are your thoughts, Professor? I don't know. Whoever it is, as you say, has very bad aim and also apparently has an unlimited number of bullets because started firing in one location, followed them to a second location, apparently firing nonstop the whole time, um, never stopping to reload. It's interesting. What I would like to find out is if it, you know, maybe it was Eve or something like that uh, who was intentionally missing, uh, you know, in order to sort of push them, you know, in, in a certain direction. Um, I would hate to think that this was actually an assassin who was just that bad at their job. But yes. it did give us uh, Alex uh, Starsky and Hutching over the uh, uh, the hood of a car, which was kind of cool. Oh, yes. We can't deny that. Yeah. Uh, Millie, what about you? Your thoughts on Alex's storyline? I was also surprised that this is the direction they were going to go with um, after she left the DEO. I don't know how I feel about it because, again, I, I, don't, I don't know. I never thought of her in that that light but if they have a new spin um and kind of opens up to some more storylines because i feel like they have kind of been running in place for a little bit with alex i'm all for it um and i thought that yeah pairing her up with with uh with who she they did that was interesting especially for that one line i wonder if that's gonna kind of be a motivating driving factor not just the conversation with kelly so i i liked it i think that the it seems oddly placed in the you know, considering we're like episode 18 of the season, but um, I think it's good. Maybe it's setting up for her whole arc in the next season. So Ramakan returned in this episode. Uh, it was, uh, dare I say, and I apologize, it was like the wrath of Ramakan in this episode. Uh, it was Ramakan 2.0. He returned, uh, um, I don't know if I would say stronger, better, faster, or, you know, Daft Punk and all of that kind of stuff. But we did see him again. Um, uh, In essence, Gaminet set him free so that uh, he can procure a little something. Uh, I thought his uh, entire conversation with her was really interesting and and how he was sort of um, judging her for taking on a human appearance and that sort of thing. Uh, There was a fight sequence between Ramakan and our supers, and uh, he ended up getting captured, but, uh, you know, the reason that he was captured was because he wanted to uh, steal some kryptonite from the DEO. 
and uh, he stole the kryptonite and left the D.E.O. Uh, in rubble. Basically, the D.E.O. no longer exists. Lex didn't mind it. It's tax write-off. And uh, at the end of it all, uh, they're going to use, the, they being Leviathan, uh, the, um, the kryptonite along with the artifact or uh, bit of technology weapon that Lex stole from the Fortress of Solitude. So the first question or the first thing that I want to discuss is the DEO. So we've been talking about the DEO forever. Like, do we need the DEO? Do we think that that they're going to phase out the DEO? And now the DEO, well, at least the physical location, no longer exists. What do we think of that? I'll open it up to the floor. Are we glad that the DEO was, uh, you know, uh, kaboomed? I don't mind it because it wasn't really serving an essential story point, you know, in Supergirl. Uh, you know, now that, you know, John is no longer at the DEO and Alex is no longer at the DEO and Supergirl is no longer working for the DEO. And because the DEO is compromised because it's, you know, basically being run by Luthor. Um, you know, I could maybe see, you know, assuming that Luthor is exposed, you know, a new DEO being formed. Um uh, you know, evidently in this crisis verse, they don't have the uh, the old cave location outside of the city uh, that they had back in season one. Um, yeah, I, I'm not really bothered by it because it wasn't really playing that important a role in, in the Supergirl um, uh, story. Uh, so, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. Uh, it does sort of leave, uh, you know, Brainy you know, at a loss as to, you know, what he's going to do. Um, but yeah, it, it doesn't really matter as much. Uh, it might have been more interesting if they'd done that while Alex was still there, because that would have been, you know, basically, you know, throwing her out of work and, you know, uh, you know, putting her in that situation. Um, uh, it, it sort of means that her quitting, you know, doesn't have the same impact it would have had because, you know, she would have ended up in the same place. So I don't know. I, I don't think it, it matters as much as it would have, you know, any season before. I think they've they've sufficiently hived off the uh the deo uh that uh, you know its destruction doesn't really matter um i do wonder whether you know uh you know brainy will be you know going through the uh you know the wreckage looking for the uh, the feelings balcony you know try to salvage something uh from it yeah i know we, we need that balcony it's very important to the mythos so okay what about ramakhan's return what do we think of ramakhan's return and how they used him in this episode genius move by ramakhan did we all expect it? Millie? I wasn't expecting it. And I think he was well used. I think he has been out of commission for a bit. So um, to bring him back, I thought was good, especially because they know about him. Um, and if his own whole purpose to bring him back was to bring down the DEO, then I mean, more power to him on that. I- I'm curious what the, what the bigger play is, or if he's going to come back really was just to get the kryptonite. Um, so I'm wondering if he's, they're going to kind of unite him with Gamine, um, and that's going to be kind of the big face-off now that he's out of, like, little timeout with the Leviathan. <laughs> you said a little timeout. I love it. That's funny. Okay, and what do we think was stolen? Uh, like, 
I feel like the obvious thing is Myriad, based off of how much it's been used this season. So it would be just fucking appropriate if they just go in and steal Myriad. Do we think it's Myriad? I'm trying to remember if Myriad... No, I don't think Myriad was uh, fueled on Kryptonite. I feel like whatever they stole... The reason they need the kryptonite is because whatever it is is fueled on kryptonite, unless they just want the kryptonite to kill Supergirl. Uh, do we have any theories on what was stolen? Or do you all agree that it maybe it's Myriad? I think Myriad's the most obvious choice, especially, you know, given the whole, you know, technology and uh, and people vanishing, uh, you know, uh, into, uh, you know, uh, virtual reality. Uh, kind of makes sense. Um, it's it's possible, though, you know, to go back a couple of seasons to the, uh, you know, kryptonite dispersal uh, weapon that, you know, uh, was developed, uh, uh, or the uh, the lead dispersal uh, device could easily be, uh, you know, retrofitted to work on kryptonite. Um, and it does seem to me that, you know, it, yeah, because I think the... Um, what Lex was offering uh, Leviathan was was not something, you know, to be used against the supers per se, but something to help them with their goal. So I think it's more likely that we will find that it's it's myriad related and somehow kryptonite will be the power source for it or something along those lines. Okay. Okay. I can dig all of that. Uh, I love the, the little line that Kara gave, like, uh, you know, we don't even have Lena here to make me a kryptonite suit. And, well the end of the episode so i kind of feel like we're going to get some sort of kryptonite suit right yeah i felt they tipped their hand to that that lena's uh redemption was coming as soon as uh as kara said that to john yeah i i don't disagree with that so the next episode is the final episode of the season it's the season finale we had a discussion um over on our flash podcast which is um expertly moderated and uh, I kind of want to ask this question over here as well. So clearly, we're not going to get the season finale that we hoped for. We're not going to get a traditional season finale this year because of the coronavirus, the pandemic, the shutdown of production, and that whole thing. Uh, to be quite honest, I thought we were going to get 20 episodes because... From all of like the interviews that I've read and uh, just articles written in the press about Supergirl, it seemed as if they had gotten far enough into the 20th episode to where the majority of it was filmed. Maybe they were missing a couple scenes here and there. But uh, every interview that I've read basically said the Leviathan storyline, in essence, was wrapped up. But there were a couple of dangling threads in regards to the Luthers, and in particular Lex, that uh, were not filmed uh, before they were forced to shut down. But it seems as if whatever they filmed for episode 20 is going to be incorporated into episode 19. So uh, we're going to get basically almost two episodes in one. I am worried as to how rushed the episode will feel. My hope is that maybe they put aside some of the smaller storylines and it's a more Leviathan-centric episode so that that storyline arc is over and then any dangling threads in regards to some of the more personal storylines are picked up in the next season. Uh, do either of you have just any 
hopes for this season finale? Millie? I was thinking, like, do I... I don't know, because it's like there's one episode left, and this Leviathan thing seems a lot larger. Not even just past, you know, we were got one more. Um, I was wondering if they were going to kind of do a thing where it, it leads itself into the next season. And that's kind of the setup, at least maybe for the first half. Because um, I feel like there's a lot that's not necessarily explored with Leviathan. Because I feel like the big thing is Obsidian and kind of Andrea Rojas and where that's going. Um, it just seems like, in general, a lot to have eaten off with the number of episodes they've had um so i would like at least one bit and if they all kind of come together that's great but i just want i feel like there's about five different spikes of just one of them even a baby one is resolved and then kind of sets it up for next season i think that would be good um also for them to figure out what to do with william you know if he accidentally becomes you know you know uh what is it he gets lost or gets stuck in a building and we don't see him again i'm i'm fine with that Okay, yes, he will get stuck in a building because he's so tall. That's funny. Um, it, it's interesting because I mentioned this on a different podcast where, you know, I feel like crisis when it comes to the Arrowverse can be beneficial to some series and sometimes it, it can sort of maybe thwart uh, some of the momentum. And I do think, not crisis, but the crossover is what I'm saying. Um, the crossover was crisis this season. But I do feel like Supergirl... Um, was hindered a little bit because of the major crossover because they had to reintroduce a lot of characters that were set up already and and, uh, perfectly fleshed out during the first half of the season because now I'm thinking much you know professor you brought up a really great point Akrata like they've done nothing with Akrata in essence uh, this half of the season like we had a couple scenes like she discovered her powers and Lena was even like hey I know about your powers but uh, like nothing ended up happening with that and, and she was such a fascinating character and her powers and and why she was Akrata it was really interesting pre-crisis and it just sort of fizzled out into nothing post-crisis uh professor your thoughts on what they could do in the next episode what could be wrapped up um well before we get to that i just want to talk about the uh the the post-crisis stuff i think actually supergirl did a really good job of you know using the post-crisis world as a jumping off point because of the reintroduction of this new form of lex luthor which has been the driving element uh you know uh to the the back half of the season so i think they use crisis really effectively in terms of you know rebooting uh you know lex at least in the the public eye um and uh, and the characters trying to deal with that as well as you know the uh you know what they did with the deo and all of that so i think that was uh quite effectively done in terms of you know what resolution we can expect next episode i hope they get leviathan resolved um I, I don't think we need to have that hanging over us until next season. Um, I would be fine if there is an ambiguous ending uh, with Lex. Um, but I think uh, all the personal stuff, there'll be, you know, no development on the uh, the Brainy Nia front. There'll be no developments on the uh, the William and Kara front. There'll be no developments on Alex becoming a vigilante. Um, I, think it, it, I think, you know, if you look at how much time we've got left, uh, you know, uh, we will have to get through, uh, you know, Leviathan. And I think that's enough for one episode. And I think all of that personal stuff is stuff that probably would have been dealt with anyway, you know, in, in the final few episodes, uh, you know, setting up for next season. Um, but I think, you know, it, it might be, you know, a, a good thing, you know, like if, if they can't 
fully wrap up the uh, the the Lex uh, storyline. Maybe that leaves Lex out there as a wild card, uh, you know. And uh, you know, with the new uh, you know uh, the new uh, Superman and Lois Lane uh, show coming, that you know there uh, holds out the possibility that maybe he could become part of that show if they don't fully resolve uh, his arc or make him you know uh, openly a villain. Uh, you know, to everyone in this reality, if he can still, you know, preserve his uh, his illusion of of being the good guy, um, then that sets him up to uh, to play a role over on the new show, even if they don't want to keep using him on Supergirl. Um, so yeah, I think we'll probably, I hope, we'll get uh, you know a resolution to uh, Leviathan, but I think that's probably all we can hope for. That is true. Yeah, hopefully we do get that. And, and while I don't disagree with you with like how they utilize Lex and and um, and this new world, this new national city that we're in on Earth Prime, there's a part of me that just because we are on episode 18 and and it was you know unfortunately a truncated season, it makes me wonder like should we have spent all this time being reintroduced to these characters like Andrea, you know, having her have to rediscover Akrata, um, you know, I, I'm not going to dis Eve because I enjoy Eve. So it was nice having her be resurrected, but there are just elements that I wonder because of crisis, like, and they had to, in essence, um, reboot the entire season, um, you know, where nothing pre-crisis, uh, you know, has any uh, effect on uh, what was going on in, in this half of the season, outside of the fact that our heroes know who Leviathan is. I wonder if um, if Crisis really was a benefit for Supergirl. I mean, there are some things that worked after Crisis, but there were some things that I feel, unfortunately, because of Crisis, it, it hindered the series a little bit, I think. Well, we have one more episode to discuss all of that. So, uh, now it is time for the MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So, choose wisely. Professor, who's your MVP? Uh, I guess I have to give it to Lena. Um, you know, because it, it did, I, as I say, I'm not entirely happy that, you know, she had her uh, character realization as a result of what her brother did. Um, you know, I think it, it would have been nicer if she'd made that realization on her own, but that final scene with Kara was so powerful and, you know, Katie McGrath really played it well. Uh, we got a real understanding, uh, of her and, you know, uh, as I said at the beginning, I, I was surprised. I thought it would take a lot longer for me to accept Lena's, uh, face turn because she has been so unremitting, unremittingly evil, uh, and petty. Uh, this season, but she managed to, you know, make me, you know, love the character again at the end of it and make me uh, think that, uh, you know, it, it won't be in redemption, uh, but it does seem that she's firmly uh, back on the uh, the side of good by the end of this episode. So kudos to her for, for you know, uh, managing the turn so quickly. All right. The professor has chosen Lena Luther. A very good choice. That means, Millie, you're next. And, and that does free up William for you. <laughs> Maybe his baked goods. Apparently they're fabulous. Oh, apparently. Um, I, I need to I need some tips. <laughs> um, I think I'll have to give it to the other Luther. I have to give it to Lex. I think he going from very calm to calculated to flipping a switch and just going, you know, off the rails, megalomaniac. Uh John Carr just did a great job with that bit and I have to give it to him. Um it'll be interesting to see if we get to see more of that 
uh, unhinged Lex, or if we're going to see him back to be cool and collected, but as his plan probably inevitably goes off the rails, like, how's he going to react? I like it. Another great choice. And I'm going to give it, and I'm actually really surprised that I'm going to do this, and it's it's because both of you picked uh, the, the characters that you picked, but I'm going to give it to Brainy. I really enjoyed what Jesse Rath did with uh, the material that he got in this episode. I loved uh, seeing uh, sort of dream Brainy uh, in uh, Nia's dream. I loved uh, what he did playing off of Lex. I love how torn he's playing the character. I just found Jesse Rath as Brainy throughout the entire episode really fascinating to watch and um, and seeing how much this, um, I don't know if I want to call it a betrayal, but at least seeing how much his choices are weighing on him was really, really fascinating. So uh, yeah, I'll give it to, uh, to Brainy. So now it is time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 red capes? The point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may archive the episode in the Fortress of Solitude. It is now Lex-free, I promise you that. Millie, where do you stand? How do you rate this episode? I think overall it was a very solid episode. There's a lot of moving parts, but for the most part... They made it work, so I'll have to give it an 8.5. All right, starting off with an 8.5 from Millie. Professor, what about you? How would you rate this episode? Uh, I co-sign 8.5, a satisfying episode. All right, and uh, I will agree with both of you. I'll give it an 8.5 as well. Uh, A uh, very good uh, penultimate episode to the season. Everything certainly is lining up for what's going to be, I would say, uh, a really interesting finale for many reasons, just to see exactly how it was edited to make it a finale. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch. So on that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of the National City Tribune. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for the National City Tribune and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-hosts, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with Millie. Good night, National City. And if you want to follow along with me, I'm on Twitter as at the Asian Nerd. And the professor. Uh, instead of saying good night, I'm just going to silently pull out a chair and allow the listeners to sit down and say what they need to say. Perfect. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of the National City Tribune every Tuesday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio archives. Good night.